Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. First, I want to pray and hope that this worship service, this message, finds you in good health. Um, we live in times like never before. Um, we just sang in times like these. And yes, in times like these, we need a Savior. See, what Satan intended for evil, the Lord is turning it into good. The social distancing and closing the in-person Worship services at church, these seem to have played on the devil's agenda. However, for the last two Sabbaths, at least here at Middletown, we had record numbers of attending. Thank you for joining with us, praising and worshiping our God Almighty. We're so glad you're here with us. And this record numbers of viewer attendance is happening all throughout North America in the Adventist churches and in churches everywhere. So, looking at these numbers, it is written television. I don't know how many of you know it is written. Um, it is one of our Adventist media ministries, been, uh, been around for a long time. Uh, they picked up on an opportunity, a one-of-a-kind opportunity. With this surge of worship service live stream attendance uh, uh, and, and viewing, they embarked on a new journey and and, and it's called digital evangelism, and they are inviting local churches to join in. I was on a Zoom meeting with uh, our um, uh, conference leadership, and it is written early in the week. And uh, they, what the proposed uh, the proposal of this uh, venture is for a minimum investment, a minimum financial investment that is we can actually reach out to people that we have never reached before. So for about $800, the, the churches that will join in this venture will uh, benefit from digital advertising of the zip codes of our choice. Um, I sat down with our outreach committee early this week and after our church board uh, and finance committee approved this venture, um, I sat down with them and we picked nine zip codes. Lawrenceburg Church picked their own zip code. So as a district, we have a total of 10 zip codes that we'll be reaching out. And uh, what, what we need in this, uh, they, they will actually do... Um, media and social media uh, uh, promotional advertising and other ad avenues of advertising that I don't even know and understand how it works, to be honest, but I know that it works. So for this minimal financial investments, we could possibly have hundreds of attendants. 
Uh, well, I don't know how many of you uh, remember Net 95. This is kind of like the Net 95 of 2020. It's one-of-a-kind opportunity. Uh, obviously, we're stepping out in new territory, but I believe that uh, that people will respond. Um, what we really, what I really need from you guys out there that are listening to this, uh, to myself promoting this event that we're part of, um, we will need volunteer uh, volunteers to become digital Bible workers. Uh, it is written, we'll have a training uh, for these digital Bible workers, and they will take us step by step from, um, from the digital response cards people will have at, each, at the end of each meeting to following up with emails, to following up with telephone conversations, and by God's grace, when this is over, to follow up with one-on-one -on -one personal visits and one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. Um, if you would like to know more about this, you can go to itiswritten.com slash hopeawakens. Hope Awakens is the title or is the name of this uh, evangelistic series. It's all digital. Uh, our churches, uh, church facilities will not be engaged or involved. However, we as people, we will be involved. So um, keep us in your prayers as we go along with this. So if you would like to be one of and be trained as as a digital Bible worker, please contact me early this week, either via email or via um, telephone or text. Just contact me. You'll find uh, my information on our website at friendlychurch.com. Uh, with that in mind, um, right, uh, and yeah, going back to that... Uh, Sorry, I meant to say the dates. Yeah, it starts on April 17, and it will end on May 16. Yeah, it starts in two weeks. I know this is kind of short notice. Uh, we're taking advantage of the fact that uh, people are staying home. They have more time in their hands, and obviously people are watching more uh, television. So this will be a televised uh, uh, live streaming event from uh, actually Chattanooga, from the uh, studios of It Is Written Television. Today, uh, I would like to uh, talk about something that is very important for us as we leave these days. Um, I want to make a disclaimer that uh, this sermon is designed uh, to, bring, to bring you clarity and hope as we leave these days. Invincible versus invisible. And this is Pastor Mario's visit, visible. And this is Pastor Mario's invisible. Invincible versus invisible. You may say, Pastor Mario, that's not a right comparison. It should be invisible versus vincible or invisible versus visible, right? But invincible versus visible? What is that? Okay, you're right. That's not a good comparison because these words, 
invincible and invisible are the qualifier of what I intend to compare today. Invincible word versus invisible, uh, invisible enemy. So my sermon title today is Invincible Word versus Invisible Enemy. Let's bow our heads once again. Lord, we thank you for giving us another opportunity to come before you to worship you and to be taught by you, to be comforted by you, to be inspired by you. And Lord, I pray for us to open our minds and hearts to receive your word and to grasp that hope that you're just about to deliver to us and to walk away from this place with hope in our hearts, with hope to share with others these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open you, uh, with me your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. As you look at that Bible passage, as you look at the screen, how old is this beginning? But before you answer that question, let's read another Bible verse. One you probably read every January 1st when you engage in, uh, in a Bible reading plan for the year. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So, which beginning is the beginning? Or I should ask, which beginning is the oldest beginning, right? The one in John 1 or the one in Genesis 1? See, in Genesis, the author introduces us to our world as we know it, created by God. It is creation time for our world in Genesis 1. It is creation time for our world as we see, as we see it, as we touch it, as we feel it. The world we've lived in for about 6,000 years. John, on the other hand, introduces the reader to the Logos, the Word that is God, the Word that was with God, the Word that was in the beginning with God. And verse 3 of chapter 1 of John 1, all things were created, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The word, of, the word that is God is the one who created everything with God. So it must have been before the creation of our world. So the beginning in the book of John 
is before the beginning of the beginning in Genesis 1:1. Are you with me? This beginning in John is indefinite and infinite. It is the beginning of everything we can or cannot comprehend. The word God is the same as God. And at that point in time, the word was invisible. See, we see his manifestation in the week of creation, but the word was invisible to the human eye. And John goes on to tell the story, John 1, verses 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In whom was the life? In the Word of God, right? In the Word, God. And the life was the light of man. Wait a minute. How did the invisible God become light for the visible humanity? Well, the answer is found if you scroll down a few verses to verse 14 in John 1. John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word that was invisible became the word that was visible. Who is this word we're talking about? The Word, with capital W, is none other than Jesus the Christ. Now, between the beginning in John 1, which is in eternity past, and the beginning in Genesis 1, which is about 6,000 years ago, between these two beginnings, God planned to create a jewel of his creative ability. God wanted to put in place to create a masterpiece of his creation. And he planned to place that masterpiece of his creation on earth. He wanted to create a being that is his image. And this being called Adam or human was created on the sixth day of creation. He made them in his image, the Bible says in Genesis 1.26, male and female, and the first couple was blessed by God, the creator, with the following blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that move, that moves on the earth. So, God planned and created human beings. And when he looked back, when he finished his creation, when he looked back all, over all of his creation, he said, it was very good. 
Literally in Hebrew, it says it was good, good. <laughs> in other words, all of God's creation was perfect, including human beings, Adam and Eve. God's creation was perfect. Humans were perfect. We don't know how much time it passed, but we know this, that up in heaven, war broke out. Revelation 12, the same, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, he also wrote the book of Revelation. And in chapter 12, verses 7 to 9, John writes, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. My friends, evil cannot live in the presence of a holy God. Evil cannot be in heaven. So, the dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Where were they cast? To the earth. Now, let's stop for a few minutes here and explain what's going on. Remember, we looked at God's creation and we saw that everything God created was perfect. God created a perfect heaven and a perfect earth. And he also created beings to populate the heavens and earth same way. And when he created them, he created them, Adam and Eve were created with the freedom of choice. See, God did not create human robots. He created them with the ability to reason and to choose. Are you with me? The same is the reality of the angels. They, the angels, were created as perfect beings with the freedom of choice too. In fact, angels were a notch better than humans. David writes this in Psalm 8, verse 5. You have made him, referring to people, to humans, to Adam, you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. So humans were created with the freedom of choice, even more so angels. Now, stay with me. One of the angels, and not just any angel, one of the angels who was the chief of the angels, one who was close to God, one who was allowed to enter the presence of God, this angel had everybody, everyone under his authority. All but the word. All but that word who 
John says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made out of his hand. This angel, whom Isaiah calls Lucifer, got envious on the word. This angel got envious on Jesus because Jesus was directly involved in our creation. And Lucifer began to insinuate false and untruthful things about God. He certainly wanted to take Jesus out. Lucifer wanted the word that was with God in creation, this word that uh, actually uh, uh, Revelation John calls him Michael, he, Lucifer, wanted to take him out. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, Jesus, and his angels fought with the dragon, Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of all called the devil and Satan who deceives the world he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, the earth where they were thrown to, where they were cast to, was recently created. And because humans were the image of God on earth, because humans supposed to represent God on earth... The devil, this evil angels, ma angel made up his mind. He planned to damage, destruct, and destroy humanity. How did he do it? Cunning. Being invisible. Remember when God created everything? God was invisible to the human eye, but then the word became flesh. John tells us, the Son of God incarnated himself. He became like one of us. In other words, he entered our 3D, our three-dimension world, and became visible. But the devil remained, and he still is invisible to us. My friend, this devil is the enemy of Jesus. And because Jesus loves us, he is our enemy. So, we have an invisible enemy. And this invisible enemy came into this world with only one goal. To separate humanity from God and from each other. He came into this world with one goal, to extinguish, to exterminate, and to eradicate the human species. That's his goal. My friends, we are facing an invisible enemy that is real. Yes, he is real, just as coronavirus is real. Speaking of coronavirus... Well, I'm not a conspiracy promoter. I rather believe the Word of God, the Bible. And in the Bible, we read that about this enemy who is extremely deceitful. 
In fact, in a little while, we're going to go to Genesis 3. Because uh, there in, in Genesis 3, we have the story how the virus of sin entered the world. It was produced by the devil. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of all called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast out to the earth. And he appears, guess where? In the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but... The fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And here is what the serpent, the invisible enemy said. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Let me ask you this. Have you seen anybody die ever since? Certainly so. So this invisible enemy is lying. He lies. He is a liar and the father of lies. And in this way, he introduced the first virus ever into the world. And it is the greatest pandemic ever. Do you know how many people does this virus kill? Apostle Paul gives us an answer. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. And then Romans 6.23 says, And the wages of sin is death. So how many people die from this sin, from this sin virus pandemic? How many? All of us. Yet this fact is much ignored and accepted. There is an interesting parallel between coronavirus and sin virus. Take a look at this. Sin started with one human being deceived to think that it's okay to eat food that was not meant to be eaten. Coronavirus started with one individual who also thought it is okay to eat food that was never meant to be eaten by humans. Sin virus started with one individual who brought it upon her family and then it spread it to the whole world. Coronavirus started with one individual and then it spread to the entire world. Both sin virus and coronavirus wreaked havoc on life from east to west, from north to south. And both of them, sin virus and coronavirus, does not care about your race, about your culture, about your political or social status or your financial status. It does not care. It's designed to destroy all human race without any partiality. That's who they are. 
So what can you do? What can I do is the question. Suggestion number one, limit your exposure to the virus. Just as we all learn, now we have become really experts in epidemi epidemiology, right? Limit your exposure to the virus. Just as we learn to limit our exposure to the coronavirus, we also need to make a special effort to limit our exposure to sin. The more exposed we are, the more dangerous it becomes. Be careful where you go, what you eat, what you watch, what you listen to, who you associate with. The less exposure to sin and the sinful, the better off you are. Unlike the coronavirus, the sin virus has touched all of us. We have been exposed and some of us have shown a lot of sim sim symptoms of sinful behavior, right? So, second suggestion to protect us against this pandemic is we must realize that once exposed, we need outside intervention. We cannot save ourselves. We need someone who knows what he's doing to help us out of the situation because we're doomed to die. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. Even one single sin can kill us. Because sin is a combustible material in the presence of a holy God. Third suggestion is use proper cleanser or disinfectant. See, for coronavirus, people use sanitizer to disinfect and cleanse. For our sin virus, we need to make a heartfelt confession of our sinful condition. And what we need is the cleansing blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And we need His righteousness to cover us. And again, I go to John 1, to, to John, this time to 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what happens when he cleanses us? We begin to heal from our sinful condition. My friend, that's the only way we can make it out of this pandemic of sin. And while it is true we have an enemy, we know that this invisible enemy is defeated and is doomed to an end. We, on the other hand, are victorious through the Word, through Christ, and we are destined to eternal life with Jesus. Am I not glad? Aren't you glad that we're Christians and know the outcome of this game called life on earth?
As Christians, we have hope. And as Christian Seventh-day Adventists, we have hope in the second coming. We're waiting for Jesus to return and take us with Him where He is to the place that He prepared for us. Our focus is not down here, but up there. And the hope we have is in the invincible, invincible Word. The Word is Jesus, the Son of God. And the Word is also the written Word of God. Both Jesus and the Bible are the invincible, invincible Word. The invincible Word that withstands time, trials, and tribulations. The reason, the, the written Word of God is full of promises. Promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like, I will always be with you. Promises like, David writes in the famous Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. These are promises that we find in an invincible word of God. In the written word of God. That's why we sing standing on the promises, right? Beautiful hymn. I love that. The first promise we have in the invincible written Word of God is in Genesis 3.15. It's in the same chapter where, invisible, where this invisible enemy shows up to plant his virus. And in that same story, we find God speaking to the serpent, to the invisible enemy of the human race. And in that pronouncement, God said in Genesis 3 verse 15... I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed with capital S. He, the invincible word, shall bruise your head and you, the invincible enemy, shall bruise his heel. My friend, this is the first promise of the Bible. I tell you, the Bible has many promises. I only mentioned a few. In fact, Bible Info claims that there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. But I tell you, if this was the only promise in the Bible, this would have been good enough for me. Let's take a closer look into this promise. God says, I will put enmity between the invisible enemy and us. My friend, this fight against the devil will always be there. But God continued, he, the invincible word, shall bruise your head. And you, the invincible enemy, shall bruise his heel. So if I were to ask you, what is a fatal blow? A strike to the head or a strike to the heel? Obviously, the head, right? Christianity unanimously agrees that this promise refers to the Word who became flesh. To Jesus who died on Calvary and was resurrected. That was the blow in the head of the devil. And since the devil, our invisible enemy, received a blow in the head, he is a defeated foe. He knows that his days are numbered. On the other hand, 
With each and every passing day, we know we're getting closer to be reunited with our invincible word, with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's the last promise of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 20, he says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. This one is the best yet to come. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. When is he coming? If we were to take a quick look at Matthew 24, there in Matthew 24, Jesus, the invincible word, is describing signs and events that must happen as for us as an awareness to let us know that his coming is soon. And he lists a number of signs and events. You can read for yourself the entire chapter of Matthew. And all these signs and events, all of which has already happened. And he ends his lists of signs and events like this. Matthew 24, verse 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Solar eclipses happen. And the moon will not give its light. Lunar eclipses also happened. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Oh, the night of November 12, 1833 will never be forgotten. The most visible meteor shower in history. Then the sign of the Son of Man, Jesus said, will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the, on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So, what, what is the next thing to happen according to Jesus in Matthew 24? Solar eclipses happened. Pestilence and famines and all these things happened. Meteor showers happen. What's next? His second coming. Even when you look at the most amazing, most famous historical prophecy in the Bible, that in Daniel chapter 2, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he dreams of this image, metal man, we call him, with different types of metals, of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and the toes, and iron and clay, you look at that and you realize that we leave, all these empires have come and gone. We live in the toes, we live in the feet of that image, just about to be stricken by the stone cut out without hands that represents the coming of Jesus. My friend, the invincible word has won the war against the invisible enemy. What you and I are experiencing these days, these times, is just things that must happen before his coming. Yes, it is not normal. But it's exciting to see all of this happening. Now, what difference does it make to be a Christian 
during this coronavirus pandemic. Does it make any difference for us? Does it make any difference to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian these days? Yes, it does. How? We have hope. I just expressed that. Not a humanistic hope, not a false hope, but rather a solid hope founded on the invisible written Word of God. See, God's Word is His Son. It is also His written Word, the Bible. My friends, the Bible is our map for life. The Bible is our guide for life and not just eternal life but also life here on earth before he comes. Sometimes I think we take it for granted. We take for granted the fact that we are Seventh-day Adventist Christians and we don't realize how privileged we are. We are spared so much unnecessary pains, sorrows, and worries. Just look around in the world. They're painful. They're miserable. They're hopeless. And they worry a lot. We as Christians live a life, a healthy life. Certainly as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have the health message. Do you know how many people live healthy life? Less than 5%. We also live a, a life of service while the rest of the world lives a selfish life. And we have our hope In Jesus' second coming. My friend, Jesus is invincible. He won the battle against the virus of sin. And he is coming soon. What a blessing to be a part of his special people. What a blessing to live in these times when the world is sinking in fear and despair. My prayer is that your heart be filled with hope. Stay in and stay with the invisible Word of God. Amen.